listening to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I have uh, not preached in a couple weeks, and so I have a word for us this morning. Hope you're ready. Um, because I'm excited to preach it. I want to go to the book of Revelation this morning. Everybody's immediately scared. Yeah, Dougie, I'm going to Revelation this morning. You going to stick around now for the sermon or y'all just got to bounce, you know? I know y'all got to pack, but I said Revelation and Dougie was like, huh, I'm going to go back in there for a little bit. Yes, yes. We're going to start in Revelation chapter 2. And I have seven verses that I want to read to you. But they're kind of spaced out. And you're going to notice a a theme amongst these verses once I start reading them. Revelation chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 7. And then we're going to go to verse 11. And then verse 17 verse 29. We'll go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 6, 13, and 22. Revelation verse number 7. In the second division of the book. That's what T.D. Jake says. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Revelation chapter number 2, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Revelation chapter number 2, verse 17. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Verse 29. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Revelation chapter 3, verse 6. Any guesses to what it might say? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Verse 13 of the third division of Revelation. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Altogether, the last verse, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I want to preach to you on the subject this morning, ears to hear, ears to hear. Jake, you're good, man. Everybody give it up for Jake. Jake was in Atlanta. Jake was in Atlanta last night on into the midnight hours. And has gotten two hours of sleep. He went to some Coldplay concert or something. And uh, we understand that that is just unacceptable. But it's okay. It's okay, Jake. What Jake actually requested that I say something this morning. Uh, Boston in six? Celtics in six? All right. Whatever, Pedro. All right. Ears to hear. Father, I thank you that you give us ears to hear what you say when you speak. That we get to hear clearly. Father, I pray that you would remove our lens in which we hear through so that we can hear you as clear as possible. In Jesus' name, amen. So I read to you seven verses because the book of Revelation starts out with a revelation to the seven churches in Asia. There are seven churches. Jesus appears to John, and he gives him a revelation to go and present to these seven churches. Each of them have different issues that God is trying to work through with those churches, and they have very specific issues. When he appears to him, and he says this, I think we often preach about all of the issues that the churches were going through. I mean, everybody has heard a sermon on Revelation chapter 2. Everybody 
Return to your first love, you backslider. You sinner. Return to your first love, right? And then you've probably heard, on down into the book of Revelation chapter 2, you've probably heard, you know, Jesus appears to the churches, appears to John, and he tells him, this church, they've been going through some persecution. Hold fast, stand strong, you're doing a great job. Jesus then appears to a church and he rebukes them for immorality. Then the the very end of Revelation chapter 2 is all the Pentecostals' favorite. If if it's not the beginning of Revelation chapter 2, it's the end of it. Because God comes to deal with Jezebel. (laughs) That's a fun one. And then you get over into Revelation chapter 3. And Jesus rebuking people for being lukewarm. You're hot. You're cold. Stop being that. Get in or get out. Right? He encourages a church. It says, you've worshipped me. You've been given the keys to the house of David. You've opened the door to your heart with those keys. You've done a good job at doing that. Keep on doing that. And he has all of these messages that seem to be abundantly clear as what he's trying to say. Do you not agree with that? Revelation chapter number 2 and number 3, those are very specific instructions. They're very specific words from God on what these churches are to do to become everything that God has asked them to be. Because God has a purpose for these seven churches in Asia. God has a purpose for every church. He has a purpose for every move of God that takes place in the earth. There is something God is trying to do through that individual move of God that is, that is connected to the global move of God that's taking place. And he appears to all of these seven churches and he says these very clear instructions, but he adds this phrase at the end of every single one of them. He says, he who has ears to hear what I'm saying, hear it. He who has ears to hear, hear what I'm saying. I believe this is why Jesus said that. Because Jesus knew, because he had led people for three years, had just previously led people for three years, that you can tell somebody exactly what you want them to do and they still miss it. These churches were given very specific instructions and they still had the capacity to miss it. And so he had to warn them, if you have an ear to hear what I... You've got to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. It's no different now than it was then. All the time in the church in America, God tries to do different things inside of the church and we miss what he's really trying to say because I don't think we have ears to hear. I don't think we have ears wired, spiritual ears wired to hear what God is saying to the church at large and to churches individually. What we do have is ears to hear. We can hear. We just can't hear. We can hear the words of Jesus. But there's more to it than just hearing the words of Jesus. There's a difference between hearing something and letting something go deep within you. There's a difference when you show up to church and hear a sermon and then when you really hear a sermon. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You heard what the preacher was saying, but then there's other times it's like he was talking straight to you. I think one of the reasons why Jesus has to say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, is because God speaks clearly, but we do not hear clearly. God speaks clearly, but we don't hear clearly. I think one of the things that we miss out on in this specific passage of Scripture is that Jesus Christ in the flesh can show up with a word from the throne room of heaven, and we still miss it. 
Jesus can show up with a specific word to a specific people to deal with a certain issue at a certain time, and they still miss it. They still miss it. Because they have leaned in to other voices that have shaped or distorted their ears to hear what God is saying. The voices that you listen to the most shape your ear in the spirit. They shape your ear in the spirit whether it's good or bad. Whether it's righteous or unrighteous. Whether it's sinful or not sinful. You'll hear what you decide you want to hear based off the voices that you feed yourself the most. That's why it's important to make sure that you have solid voices that are speaking into your life often. Can I tell you what some, the best thing in the world for some of you would be to never read the news again and to never watch the news again? The best thing for some of you to do would be com- to completely get off social media. Because God would show up with a word from heaven and you would filter it through the lens of a Republican or Democrat. And that is sinful. That is sin. That's not right. That is wrong. We clear on what that means. If you think Jesus is a Democrat, you have a really strange view of Jesus. You omit all of the New Testament. And if you think he's a Republican, then you really have a strange view of Jesus. Maybe a stranger one. Because he's not showing up with rifles and slaying everybody on the judgment day. Your strange view of Revelation, the entire book of Revelation, is not coherent with the person of Jesus that I find in the New Testament. And he is neither Democrat and he's neither Republican. And you should shut all of that off. Or it should be, let me say this, secondary. Maybe third down the list. To how you see Jesus. Because I know people, we live in a time right now, that take Jesus and they like paint him up in this way and then they present him to say, well, Jesus would do this or Jesus would say this or this is the way that Jesus is or he's this way and he's that way and it has nothing to do with you going to the book and examining Jesus. You just listen to what somebody else said. You couldn't hear what he was saying if he come to you and said it as plain as he said it to these churches in Revelation because you have already decided what you want to hear from God. Jesus can't even deal with some of you because you've already decided what his voice sounds like. He couldn't fix something in your life if you, if you begged him to because you've already decided that he has a voice and he sounds a certain way and I'm just going to adjust my life to the way that I want God to sound and not the way that he sounds. This is what the churches did in Asia. They adjusted their lives to hear what God was saying through a lens to fit their own needs. We have got to stop doing that. We have got to stop doing that. I am not saying that God doesn't speak your language because he most certainly does speak your language. But he doesn't speak the language that you always hear clearly. There needs to be some fine-tuning, I think, in the church to our spiritual ears. God has a language too. He'll speak your language. Not so that He speaks your language. He speaks your language so that you can learn His. Because God doesn't want to be speaking to you all the time. He wants to hear from you as well. This is supposed to be a relationship. And what if you learn to speak the language of God? It's so meaningful to you that God speaks your language. God is not this robot in the sky that doesn't take into an account an effort for you to learn His. He's not some dictator in the sky. He's moved by you and your, and your willingness to learn His language. Here's the deal, though. If you listen to voices that distort his voice, 
you'll never learn his language because you'll never hear him rightly. I have some points this morning that I think will help us. Um, I think they'll help you. I think they'll help you to hear the voice of God. I think they'll help you more than to hear the voice of God. I think they'll, have, they'll help you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. I want to give you three voices that are very prominent right now, I think, in the world, in our generation, that keeps us from hearing God clearly and being everything that he's called us to be. And then I'm going to, I'm going to give you three voices that I think you should lean into and listen to to be everything that God's called you to be. The first voice, if there is a voice that is going to keep you from being who God has called you to be, it's the voice of shame. It's the voice of shame. The voice of shame will never let you see yourself like God sees you. Ever. The voice of shame never lets you hear God's voice clearly because the number one thing that shame will do is make you feel like that you don't belong to God. It will make you feel like that you are separated from Him. It will make you feel like that He is not with you. That's what the voice of shame does. It tries to shame you for your mistakes and your issues and your problems. And it tries to convince you that God is not actually what His name is, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what the voice of shame does. It tries to convince you that God is absent from all of your stuff and that he doesn't look at you, the real you, the exposed you, not the fake you. Shame tries to convince you that you do not belong to God. And if you're convinced that you don't belong to God, then why in the heck would you ever want to hear him? The lie that God is far away Bring shame. The lie that God is far away brings shame to you. The lie that you are separated from God, which is the dumbest thing that we've ever preached in church. It's the dumbest thing that we've ever preached. It really, I think it may be. As far as the doctrine of God, the idea that you are separated from God and God, you, you literally say that Jesus didn't come and die on the cross. That's what you say when you say God is separated from you. You also, say, you also confess when you think God is separated from you, you don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. You don't believe in Him. If God is omnipresent, how in the world are you separate from Him? We'll get up and we'll say all of the things about God. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Be powerful, holy, glorious. And then we'll turn around and we will view God as separated from us. We even approach God in prayer like he's separate from us. We do. We do not pray like God lives within us. We do not pray like God knows our most inner world. We do not pray like that. We haven't been taught in Pentecostal culture to pray like that. Lock yourself in your room for 48 hours. Pray until the fire of God falls. And it's like, yeah, that's awesome. Me and Al was talking one day. He talks about how much Michelle prays every time we're together, anoints the house with oil, everything else. I did that once, but I was so broke I couldn't buy anointing oil, so I used Crisco. <laughs> yeah. Al said this. He says, Michelle, she's a long prayer. He's like, but me, I'm a short prayer. I pray real short prayers. And I'm like, Al, me too. My prayers are real short, and they're real authentic. Some of y'all don't want to hear my prayers. You would not think I was a pastor, because I get real with Jesus. I tell him exactly how I feel and what I think and all of those things. And then he has to deal with my attitude on the back end. But he does deal with it, because he's with me. The number one voice that will keep you from hearing God clearly and having ears to hear what the Spirit is trying to say to you is the voice of shame because it makes you believe that you're separate. The second thing among our generation is the voice of anxiety. 
the voice that the world is falling apart. I deal with this as much as anybody does. That voice, turning off that voice in my head, that the world is falling apart, that my world is collapsing. Anxiety makes you believe somewhere down in your core that God is worried about something. Have you ever asked God, Someone, I actually heard someone say this. Have you ever asked God if he was worried about something? Probably ask him. Because he ain't. He's God. What is he worried about? He's Jesus. He's not worried about anything. He's not worried about the thing that you're worried about. He cares about the thing that you're worried about, but he's not worried about it. You know, also, God can't give you anxiety because he isn't anxious. God isn't anxious for anything. God isn't stressed out in heaven. He's not. I actually want to make a really, like, just this is a provocative statement. God isn't as urgent as we've made him out to be. God isn't as concerned with the things that the American church is concerned with. I just, I so, there are some days where I'm just like, man, God, however you need to expose our idolatry to politics, please expose it. You mean to tell you how God exposed some people's idolatry to politics? He put the other guy in the house. That's a rough one. All authority comes from God, right? Romans 13. He sets all authority in its place. Except when he doesn't set your guy in his place. Then God, nope, not then. I would like to talk to God about these gas prices. But another conversation for another, another day. I have talked to God about these gas prices. I told him, until you get these down, I ain't going nowhere. Me and Beckham are going to be at the house. And Beckham ain't getting no Chick-fil-A either. Everything went up a dollar. You got food at the house. Y'all ever been told that? We got food at the house. Is Beckham crying in the car? Want something to eat? We got food at the house. Eat them Pop-Tart bites. I remember one time, my grandpa was a very, very wealthy man. Very, very wealthy. And we went on a fishing trip one time. And where I'm from, there is no McDonald's. There's no, there's no restaurants where I'm from. You have to drive 25 minutes at least to even get to McDonald's. Okay? So we had... One gas station that went through multiple owners because they put a gas station in a town of like 14 people. So if you need gas, it's way high in this town. And then you don't need gas if you live in this town because you can see everything that you need to see. You can walk. My grandpa was a very, very wealthy man. I asked him. And this makes me mad now that I know how wealthy he actually was. We're on a home, coming home from a fishing trip. I'm like, hey, can we stop at McDonald's and get a burger? He's like, we got food at the house. I'm like, I just want a dollar McDouble. <laughs> food at the house. What do you mean we got food at the house? McDonald's is right there. You got a lot of money. We can buy this place. God is not worried. God is not concerned about all of the little things that you may be concerned about. He's concerned about you and how you handle those situations and what your interior world looks like when chaos ensues. Do you know also anxiety also feeds on the lie that you are separated from God? It makes you believe that God is not an ever-present help. 
the Bible says God is an ever-present help. It does not say that he's just there when it's good. If he's an ever-present help, that means sometimes life's not going to be so great. And you're going to need some help. And if he's ever-present, that means ever-present. Right? He's there forever. Present to help you get through whatever you're going through. One of the biggest lies that we've believed is that anxiety is my portion. It's one of the biggest lies that our generation has believed. Anxiety is our portion. It's just something I'm going to have to deal with. We don't say that about anything else. We don't say that about anything else. This is not bring shame to anybody dealing with any sort of anxiety. I deal with anxiety, but it's not my portion. People have issues, but that doesn't mean it's their portion. The Bible says that peace that passes all understanding, that guards my heart and mind, that's my inheritance. That's what I, that's what I get, right? Listen, the good news of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, number one, is that we are never again separated from God. What that means is, is when we hear the voice of anxiety, he is there as well. And can you take time to slow down and hear what the Spirit is saying to you in that moment? Sometimes it's just all, sometimes you just ask. What do you have to say about this? We don't ask that question enough in the church anymore. Lord, what do you have to say about my problems? I want these fixed. Some of you would not be able to hear that some of your problems God's not really concerned about. Because you've been trained to believe if you're not as this perfect, righteous presentation unto God, then for some reason, God is upset with you. Me and Kelby were actually talking. How dumb would it be for me to expect Beckham to have everything all together? That would be dumb. I'll be setting myself up for disappointment. If the Father is well pleased with Jesus, He cannot be disappointed in you. So if He cannot be disappointed in you, then why do you feel the need to hide from Him all the time? Anxiety, one of the ways that it's plagued our generation... Anxiety has plagued our generation in the fact of, I am anxious about going to God, and it's because you believe that He is not good. You don't believe God is good. You believe that He's absent from all of your stuff, and He's not. It's the biggest lie that we've believed in the American church. God is absent. God's not here with us. One of the biggest and if you listen to the voice of anxiety, if you give that a louder voice than his voice, it will always distort your ear to hear what the Spirit is trying to actually say to you and do within you in a relationship with him. Listen, the next voice, this is a good one, the voice of pride. This may subtly take people out more than anyone. I've been here and I've done this. I've been, I've been walking this Christian walk for 812 years and God is this way and all of this stuff. The voice of pride also makes you wear a mask. It makes you pretend to be someone you're not. In the presence of God. It makes you pretend to be somebody that you're not in the presence of God. If God is all-knowing, why are you still pretending? And when you really get free is when you cannot pretend to other people. And what I mean by not pretend to other people, I don't mean that you act in all of your Christian freedoms that you have. I mean that you can just say, hey, I'm just having a terrible day. I am the worst about this. I am the worst about this. 
I'm working through that myself. If you ask me what kind of day that I'm having, you're going to get a very typical Christian response. Celtics and six, Jake. You're going to get a very typical Christian response. Because what I was handed with a religious system was to be fine all the time. And that's stupid. It's dumb. And the voice of pride will make you wear a mask. It will keep you from being vulnerable with the people around you. It will keep you from getting vulnerable with people that can help you. The voice of pride will do that. God, listen, God cannot work with a fake you. And it's his mercy that he doesn't work with a fake you. It's the mercy of God that he doesn't allow you to pretend. Some people see their fake version of themselves, they take that to God. You should take the fake version of yourself to God and you should leave it there and never pick it up again. The voice of pride will never allow you to get healed and be everything God's called you to be because you don't think you need it. You think you've got this figured out. You think that everything that I ever need and I know all the Christian stuff, well, why in the world does your life suck so bad? This is a question. If you know it all, then please come and teach me. I'll go back to being the youth pastor here. We got like three youths. Two right here. The other one ain't here. Can't find them. And they ain't here this morning. I'll go back to being the youth pastor where there's no pressure at all. I mean, what kind of pressure is a pastor going to put on? Make something happen with these three kids. It's like, awesome. We're going to get in a room and we're going to pray. And that's about it. Stop asking God to deal with a fake you. Stop stop asking him to deal with a you that isn't real. Stop doing that. Three voices that will shape you into the person that God has made you to be. A voice of a friend. That's the first one. A voice of a real friend. The Bible says this, Proverbs 27. The wounds of my friends are faithful. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The wounds of my friends are faithful. A friend will absolutely tell you what is good for you and not just what you want to hear. Good friends remind you of who you are in God when it's hell for you to believe that. When your reality doesn't line up with who you actually are in God, a good friend will tell you who you are, not who you are not. A good friend will also call you on your fake you. You need friends who will call out the fake you. You need those people who will say, you're being fake. I can tell you're being fake. You need friends that will look at you and say, hey, like you need to be a part of a church. You need to be in church. You need to be connected to the community. You need friends who will say, you need to make coming to church and participating and doing what, doing what we do here in this life together. You need to make that a priority in your life. You need friends that will ask you, how's your walk with God? What have you been hearing from God? You need friends who will ask you that. You ever ask somebody that and they're like, ah, I don't really know. Here's your sign. <laughs> they ain't been hearing what he's saying. You need friends that ask you, do you feel close or distant to God? What lies are you believing that are making you believe that you are distant from God? You need friends who will ask you that. You need friends who will say, hey, are you faithful in tithe and offering? Are you faithful in 
in fighting selfishness in your life on a regular basis by giving what we in America value as most precious on a regular basis? Hey, are you faithful to give? Are you being generous? Because that, that fights something on the inside of you. It combats selfishness. You need friends who will just ask you, what are your issues? What are your issues? What are you going through? You also need friends to be a safe place. Listen, if you're going to be a good friend, the thing that people need from you is for you to be a safe place. So if someone comes and confesses something to you, or someone comes and talks about an issue with you, or someone says something to you that they want to keep in confidence, and you go tell somebody else, just please do not come to church here. Go find a different church. I'm serious as a heart attack. I want people to be a part of what Hope Unlimited is, but if you're going to hurt people, just find a different church. They'll let you do that somewhere else. But I've read Revelation chapter 2, the last part of it. We don't tolerate Jezebel here. Yeah. We may have all a bunch of we have we may have a lot of issues, but that's not one of them. Okay? A lot of issues, but that for sure will never be one of them. Love to see it. You need the voice of wisdom. The voice of wisdom will help you be everything that God has called you to be. I shared this during uh, offering, I'm going to share this again. The voice of wisdom, the number one thing that it does, it tells you the difference between what's right and what's most right. It tells you the difference between what's right and what's okay, and then what is God saying to me. That's what the voice of wisdom will lead you to think. I told this during offering. Timmy had a fantastic job. Could have stayed in his normal, not a nine-to-five job. Was not nine-to-five, because I'm seeing them Instagram stories at like six o'clock in the morning, or ripping up toilets and I'm like man have a good one have a good day Timmy I'm gonna be at the house of Beckham Timmy had a great job probably great retirement plan great insurance all that good stuff so-so insurance yeah all that stuff and Timmy heard the voice that said, this is what I'm, this is right, you can stay here in this job, I'm still going to love you, I'm still going to bless you, I'm still going to make sure that you're taken care of, I'm still going to bless your family, but then he heard the whisper of what was most right, and he obeyed that, that's what the voice of wisdom will do for you, that will shape your ear to hear when the Spirit says something that takes a great act of faith, what the voices that you've heard on a regular basis will matter in that moment. Because if you've listened to the voice of fear, you're probably not going to hear the voice of wisdom. If you've listened to the voice of how everything's not going to work out, you're not going to hear the whisper of God. You're not going to hear the difference between what is right and what is most right. The voice of wisdom is often the hardest voice to hear, which is so strange. Because Proverbs chapter 1 said the voice of wisdom is crying out in the street, begging to be heard. But it's the hardest one to hear. Also, this will mess with you if you love the Bible. Proverbs chapter 1 said the voice of wisdom cries out in the street, and when you do not listen to it, it will mock you. It will mock you. It will, say, it will literally say, I told you so. I told you so. That's what the voice of wisdom will do. And I told you so is not to condemn you. It's not to condemn you. I told you so is so that you adjust your ear to hear in the future. It's not to condemn you. Sometimes you need to hear, I told you. I told you. Those are not always mean words. I told you not to do this, and you did this, and you got the outcome that I said that you were going to get that you didn't want, but you did this anyway. What do you want them to say? Ah, oh, well, your sinner has a hard time. I'm not going to say that. 
I go ahead and tell you. There's not a bone in my... I'm going to say, I told you. Because I love you. I told you not to do this. It's okay. And we're going to pick you up from here. And we're going to walk with you if you got yourself in a mess. But I did tell you. Don't ever forget. Listen, the voice of wisdom, one of the reasons that it's so hard to hear is because this is a good one. It violates your freedom. The voice of wisdom will say to you what is most right in a moment. And it may violate your freedom of what you think is right to do. The voice of wisdom violates your freedom sometimes. And that's okay. That's good. Some of you need your freedom violated. You need some holy restriction. I'm serious. Let me ask you this. When you hear the voice of wisdom, you should ask yourself this question. What do I hear when I hear wisdom's voice? Here's some things that I hear when I hear the voice of wisdom. How is this going to affect other people? How is this going to affect other people? And I don't mean if what I say, someone else disagrees with it. That's not what I mean by this. I say, how is what is about to come out of my mouth or my actions going to harm or help other people? I'm not talking about theological disagreements. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about moments where you need to hear one of those Holy Ghost shut up moments. Do not open your mouth. Does God have to talk to anybody else like that? Because he has to talk to me like that. Hey, Cole, do not say a word. Shut up. And then I feel good about ten minutes later. When I hear the voice of wisdom, I often, it often comes, is this going to cause strife among my friend group? Will this bring peace to my life or chaos? Let me give you the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. If you are struggling with anxiety in this room, I'm not saying this to condemn you in any way. Do not add anything else to your life right now. Do not take on any more responsibility than what you have. It is not going to end well. This is the voice of wisdom speaking. If you take on more responsibility and you are gripped with anxiety, it is not going to end well for you. Last voice that I think we need to lean into to give us ears to hear so that we can be everything that God's called us to be. This is the most important one. It's the voice of love. It's the voice of love. The voice of love is not only the voice of love. You're not just hearing the voice of love. When you hear the voice of love, you discovered who you are discovering who you are loved by. When you hear God's voice of love, that voice leads you to believe that you are completely loved and accepted by Him. When you know that God loves you and has what's best in mind for you, your ear to hear just opens up. When you know someone loves you, you know that you can trust them. So when God starts speaking to you, you know that you can trust what you heard. Because you know that He has what's best in mind for you. Listen, the voice of love provokes you to be real with God about who you really are. You can stand to your feet. Jake, can we bring that down just a little bit? Celtics and Six. Listen. The voice of love provides a safe place for you. I know that there's people coming up on the stage. They're just humans. It's okay. Don't get distracted. The voice of love provides a safe place for you. 
to get real with God about who you really are. The voice of love speaks to you when you hate yourself. The voice of love speaks to you when you hate who you are. The voice of love sits with you in all of your dysfunction. The voice of love sits and speaks to you when you think that you've absolutely blown it and there is no recovery from this point. The voice of love sits down and speaks to your heart. That's why it's important to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because you'll shut out the voice of love. And that is the only thing that will heal you in the middle of your dysfunction. All these other things, a voice of a friend is good. The voice of wisdom is good. All of those things are great and you need to apply them to their life. But you need the voice of love to speak to you. Right now, as you currently are, the voice of love makes you see yourself the way that God sees you. The voice of love speaks to the shame that you carry that keeps you from seeing yourself the way that God sees you. That's what the voice of love shows up and does. It doesn't allow you to believe lies about yourself. It doesn't allow that. You can't shut the voice of love up. You can only hear it wrongly. That's why it's important to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying because God's love and His voice and who He is is going to be constantly speaking to your heart, but you can hear what He's saying wrongly. You can hear it wrong. When God gives you identity, the way that you have been trained to think in the church as it is in in Western civilization, when God shows up and says that you're loved, you're righteous, you're all of this, the way that we've trained you to think is, is I've got to get all of this stuff right. No! Stop! No! The Bible says this, He who knew no sin became sin so that I may become the righteousness of God. The Bible also says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. If that is true, that means in his act of reconciliation, I was made everything that I was supposed to be in God and I am constantly in my life being awakened to that reality. And you cannot do that if you don't have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. You will always hear it as some self-righteous Pharisee. I'm just being real with you. That you've got to get your stuff together. That you've got to make this work out. That you've got to fix this and you've got to fix that. And you've got to fix this. And you need to work on this over here. Why don't you just get awakened to His voice of love that will sit with you in the middle of all of that stuff that is wrong. That you believe that it's wrong. What if I even told you that some of the things that you believe that are wrong with you, God doesn't think they are wrong with you. And He doesn't, He's not disappointed in you. And He's not upset with you. The voice of love is speaking to your heart to make you everything that you are supposed to be here on earth before your body decays. And we're not here anymore. The voice of love is the voice that will form you into everything that God has asked you to be. And everything that God's called you to be is on the other side of hearing the whisper of the voice of love. That's what it's on the other side of. The gospel, listen, I'm going to set some of you free in this moment from what you think the gospel is. The gospel, actually heard this recently, the gospel is not... Jesus came and died on a cross and God was absent from Christ. And so because Jesus came and died on a cross, now there's this bridge that you can walk across to get to God. No! No! That's absolutely not it. That's not it. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling you to Him. Not making a way for you to be reconciled to Him. No, He was doing that very act. 
He was getting you back to where you belong. And that's in fellowship and relationship with God. And the Christian message is not get over here, get down to the altar, bang your head off the altar so that you can get right with God. No, it's that you are right with God. It's not that nonsense gospel that we've preached. It's not that. And I've preached it too. The reality of the gospel is that you are awakened to the fact that He come, He didn't make a bridge. He closed the gap forever. There is no separation between us and God. Forever. And that is what the voice of love will tell you. And when you begin to believe in the pure reality of that, that will begin to transform your life. That will begin to transform your life. We're going to pray this morning. And if you need prayer at all, you can come down to the altar. If you want to stay in your seat, stay in your seat. They're going to play up here on stage. They're going to worship for a while. If you want to stay and worship for a while, feel free to do so. But we're going to pray. And and if you need to come forward and pray about anything, I don't even care if it's about your dog, your cat, whatever you need to pray about. we got people down here to pray for you. And we could get more if we need more. But I don't want you to leave here today not hearing God's voice of love for your heart, for your soul. And so, Father, I thank you this morning for your presence. I thank you that you are in this place in this moment. I thank you that you're moving on hearts in this moment. I thank you that you're moving in our minds, our emotions, our imaginations this morning. Father, I pray this morning that you would begin to draw people by your spirit and your voice. The the voice of love that speaks a better word over us than what we've spoken over ourselves. The voice of love that speaks a better word over us than what religion has spoken over us for years. Father, I pray for an undoing to happen in our our hearts this morning. False beliefs come down about you. You would prick our hearts with the voice of love this morning. You're more than welcome to come down here in the altar and pray. If you don't want to do that, you're free to go get your kids from the kids' ministry. You're free to slip out of service. Just be reverent of those who do want to stay and do want to worship for a minute. And I would encourage you just to stay for a moment longer and worship if you need to. I love you. I'll see you Wednesday night at prayer. You can see. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.